1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, uh, Kyle Clement will be on real soon. Just want to just share with you Psalm 99, today's Psalm at Holy Mass. It reads, Holy is the Lord our God. Extol the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests and Samuel among those who called upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. From the pillar of cloud he spoke to them. They heard his decrees and the law he gave them. O Lord our God, you answer them. A forgiving God, you were to them. Though requiting their misdeeds, extol the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for holy is the Lord our God. Alleluia, alleluia. Teach me your paths, my God, and guide me in your truth. Alleluia, alleluia. Wednesday War College. I just want to give you an update on tomorrow. This is a very important week for for all of us uh, as Catholic Christians because uh, what's happening in Southern California is scandalous. This Friday we'll be uh, thousands of Catholics and even some Protestants are going to be there. A lot of Protestants have reached out to us. But we as Catholics are hosting a prayer rally on Lot 13 overlooking Dodger Stadium and we're going to be there for four hours, not only praying and holding appropriate signs with the proper messaging, we're going to have also speakers from all over the country, Catholic speakers, uh, that are going to come uh, and join us and try to inspire the crowd, obviously, uh, that we're tracking in the right direction. This is this is the modern-day Cristero movement. This is what it is. And I wish, uh, I wish Archbishop Gomez, uh, I, I wish he would be our General Gorostieta. Uh, we need leaders out there. And um, he wrote a book uh, for priests about uh, about priests having a brave heart. And so I hope Archbishop Gomez, uh, that wonderful book that he wrote, I hope that he would come out with us and be and stand with us as our general, as the, as, as the general Gorostieta that he actually is as an ordained Catholic bishop. Okay, we got my buddy Kyle Clement on the show. Kyle, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Jesse. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh, Kyle, any comments about this Friday's uh, Dodger Rally hosted by many Catholics or Catholic organizations, really? It's really VMPR. Really, VMPR is behind it. Myself, Terry, uh, another organization called Catholics for Catholics. And we pulled in about eight different apostolates that really in times past couldn't work with each other. But out of uh, friendship with myself, Terry and John, they said, hey, we'll, uh, we'll lock arms with you guys. Uh, any suggestions, like spiritual warfare suggestions, you can give the Catholics that are going out this Friday? What would you tell them how to prepare? So I think first of all, this is, um, and I say this quite often, um, is you got to realize what is the where are we in the cosmos? What is the cosmic implication of this date, this month, 
what is really, really happening in the flow, ebb and flow of grace. And so your rally is on Friday. Is that correct? Yes. The actual day of the sacred heart of Jesus. That's exactly right. And so from a traditional Catholic standpoint, um, I, I think we do well to go back and look Historically, for centuries, the month of June was one long celebration of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so uh, there is a, a, an octave of Pentecost. There is an octave of Corpus Christi. There is an octave of um, the Sacred Heart. So we are in solemn, solemn days. We are in high holy days all month long. And there's no coincidence that this is Pride Month. This is the demon mocking. Mm. He's mocking God in human form by absolutely mocking gender, mocking right roles. That's what's happening here. And we are, we, uh, for the most part, we don't see it. So we need to see it first and foremost. Number two is it does not matter what these poor individuals are doing um, on Friday. The primacy is still that this is a, a solemnity. This was a solemnity for years. This is the sacred heart of Jesus. Um, and then we'll open an octave and it will, that octave ends on the nativity of John the Baptist. And so we've got to realize where we are as Catholics, um, not where we are. At, it, that's our primary understanding. And so the, the grace that flows into humanity through the commemoration of the sacred heart um, do the litany of the precious blood, venerate the sacred heart, ask the intercession of St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, pray that the sacred heart of Jesus eyes, that these poor souls feel that loving gaze of Christ, that, again, that prayer that may they see themselves as Jesus sees them, but to see, and, and may we see them as Jesus sees them. Um, not to ignore the despicable nature of what they're doing, but to call it out. And I'll just point out, you know, on a, on a broader perspective, I think it's interesting that um, the Dodger organization is still plagued by the skulking spirit that enticed them to leave under cover of darkness, Brooklyn. So you, you, you got to remember where those guys came from. Um, this is a spiritually orchestrated thing. And, we, if we react to it on a spiritual level rather than on a political or a socio-political uh, level, I think it, it'll be a lot more effective as an opportunity to inform the, the world. The month of, of June was the month of Jesus, it, and it still is the month of Jesus. So of all the months, why you give them this month? Hmm. Yeah. 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 So as Catholics, I mean, obviously we don't recognize Pride Month. We know that's a, a, a diabolical counterfeit. We recognize the sacred heart of Jesus. And that's why I'm asking people to wear red out there. Uh, wear something red in honor of the sacred heart of Jesus. And uh, let's, uh, let's be a public witness for Christ. And let's show, especially out there in Los Angeles, it's uh, replete with Hispanics and Catholics. And so I'm expecting my Hispanic Catholic brothers to go out there in full force with rosaries in their hand with Jesus in their heart, uh, you know, with prayer on their lips and in a state of grace. Uh, Kyle, what's the importance of people going out there in a state of grace? Can you talk about that? Oh, it's huge. And so I, 
it's very, very important. If you're going to engage in spiritual warfare, you, you need to be prayed up. You need to be in a state of grace. It's just like going out onto the battlefield in your underwear. Otherwise, I mean, you got no protection. Um, and if you're in a state of mortal sin, the thing is, too, is the demon is going to tempt you in mass. He's going to he's going to want you to look at things on the on your phone. He's going to want you to think impure thoughts. He's going to all those things are part of what he's going to try to do. Um to, to pierce your armor. Those are the fiery darts. And so go to confession, be prayed up, have a holy, um, have a, have a holy intent in your heart, which is to bear witness to Christ. Um, and rather than, than fight this, because as St. Paul says, our enemy is not a flesh and blood. Our enemy is the principalities and powers um, that you got to keep your, your perspective on that. Yes. And if you pray constantly, constantly for the conversion of these people for them to see themselves as as christ sees them that's that's what's going to have impact jesse you saw this in phoenix when you when you prayed um at the satanic gathering and so you're this is a tried and true strategy uh, tactics it it simply works but you're right you guys have got to be prayed up you got to be in a state of grace and it would be amazing what would happen is if you've got priests there if they're willing to um, hear confessions there, Ooh. that flow of sacramental grace into the proximity is just going to be huge. Wow. Yeah, there will be priests there. Kyle, we have uh, what I call America's bishop. He's going to be there. Uh, bishop Strickland is going to be with us. Um, and I just, uh, I'm kind of the MC here, so I'm, I'm putting things together. I'm going to have him, obviously, uh, he, he's going to do an, an, an opening blessing over all of us. Kind of, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have him do the Numbers chapter six twenty four, the prayer that Moses taught the the Israelites to pray over the people, the the Jewish priest. Then I'm gonna ask I'm, I'm gonna ask Bishop Strickland to call upon the Holy Spirit to invoke the Holy Spirit. Then I'm gonna ask him, and here's where I want to ask you: make sure I'm tracking in the right direction. I'm gonna ask him to pray the prayer of deliverance uh, from page thirty nine on Father Ripperger's deliverance prayer book over all of us with his hands raised. Then I'm going to ask him to pray the prayer, the perimeter prayer, right there on lot 13, where we're all going to be assembling all the Catholics and some Protestants, which is on page 39 of Father Ripperger's book. Uh, is was that would that be okay for Bishop Strickland to pray the prayer of deliverance on page 39 over the crowd? Um. Yeah, if it's specific to the crowd and not the geography. Yes, that's what I that's what I that's what I'm gonna tell him. Right. Just he's praying over us, not over Los Angeles, not over Dodger Stadium. It's over us right there in his in, in lot thirteen in his presence. Yeah. Yeah, and so you're gonna name in, in uh, paragraph B it says, uh, and our possession establishing a perimeter of protection around um these people, these 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 lay faithful. Okay, yeah, I put that in there. I put it around lot 13, uh, these people. Yeah, I put those words in there. I changed uh, the prayer. To, okay, so lot, Jess, lot 13 is a geographical reference. He doesn't have the authority over lot 13. Okay, so just have him pray over us then, right? Over the people that yeah. are in front of him. So what he's got authority over, what he's got authority over is the flesh of those people. Got it. Okay, good. I'm going to modify that right now. I'm glad I asked you. You're listening to Wednesday War College. I'm gonna we're gonna go back with Kyle. He's gonna be talking about some deliverance prayers and giving us some uh, some exegesis how to how to use these prayers and when they should be used. We'll be right back.
Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle Clement is the most um, knowledgeable lay Catholic on planet Earth when it comes to spiritual warfare, bar none. Kyle, the, pray, the prayer that Father Ripperger has on page 39, Prayer of Deliverance, it's kind of a generic prayer. Uh, uh, you, you've talked about it before in the past. I just want to make sure that that prayer would be appropriate for Bishop Strickland to pray over the crowd assembled uh, on Friday. Can you take a look at that prayer? Uh, it's called the Prayer of Deliverance. It's on page us, ah, page thirty-eight. Excuse me, page page thirty-eight. You have you have the book there? Yeah, I'm looking at it, Jess. And as I'm scanning it, T- here's yeah, what I'm looking for. Just yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Just so just so you guys can do, use the same test. Is so Bishop Strickland, as a bishop, as an apostle, he has how he has authority over the overbaptized Catholics who put themselves in his presence. Okay. He does not have authority over geography other than his diocese. Got it. Yeah. I totally understand that. Yep. Okay. And so if there's a geographical reference, then you're, you, you're, he's kind of exposed a little bit. I got to modify and, it. Um, I, have to cha- I have to change it if there is. Yeah. Right. And so that's what you're watching for is any kind of geographical reference uh, over people, though, who put themselves in his place, uh, in his presence. He does have the authority and he has the authority uh, over baptized persons. Um, and, and so that's an interesting thing over the unbaptized. He has power, but he doesn't have authority. And so if you if you uh, that's going to not go well for them, they're going to experience some some uh, <laughs> some affliction. And, and that's fine. Uh, the, the whole point being is that this is fleshed out, pun intended, in Father Ripperger's book, Dominion, Chapter 4, Power and Authority. And this is where a lot of the modern uh, charismatics and practice, practitioners of deliverance, they don't get this power, the, the difference and the right use of power and authority. And so... Um, I think this is bears testimony to the right use of power and authority. It also bears reference to um, the significance of a, of a presence of a bishop, presence of an apostle, because from the demon, he sees uh, Bishop Strickland as a prince of the church, as an apostle. So you're going to have an apostolic presence there um, at that location. And that, and that's huge. Got it. So yeah, the, uh... He has, as a successor of the apostles, he has uh, authority over the baptized that are there in his presence, uh, not over location. I got that. So I've modified the prayers to reflect that on on the prayer of deliverance and the perimeter prayer. I've made sure that the prayers, uh, any reference to location is, is, is removed when he prays it. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Uh, I just want I just want a clarification. It, it reminds me actually of a... Uh, of a, of a story. If you, if you, if you want a short story. Yeah. 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 So we were in solemn session. Um, this particular demon was susceptible to, um, the Paschal candle, the light of the Paschal candle. Um, and it, the sacrament that was being contested, the validity of the sacrament that was being contested was baptism. And so when Christ is baptized in the Jordan, this is replayed when at a uh, vigil of, of resurrection and the vigil of Pentecost, 
the Paschal candle is lit and plunged into the font, thereby vivifying the water. And so when Christ was plunged into the Jordan by John the Baptist, he vivified or redeemed all the water of the world, which had previously been the source of death and now is the source of life. The covenant sign for that is the rainbow, is God's covenant and promise that he would not destroy the world again by, um, by water. And so Christ is um, vivifying that water. And so in this particular case, the, um, the Paschal candle was particularly afflicting and vexing and tormenting to the demon. And so as this woman uh, lay there, um, the priest was walking around where she was laying and praying. And her eyes are tightly closed. And whenever he would get to a certain point, uh, she would uh, really go into a violent manifestation and writhe and the, and the demon would make noise. And so I began to watch to see the pattern. What am I seeing? Hmm. And what it was... It was whenever he would pass between her and the Paschal candle, his shadow would fall over her. And immediately what came to mind was the passage from uh, Acts where it said, and whenever the Peter would pass by, all his shadow had to do was to fall on them and to touch them, and they were healed. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Well, you know, hopefully, maybe just a shadow of a, of a success for the Apostle being up on Dodger Stadium Hill, maybe that, that'll have an effect on uh, in a good way on some people. Right? Yes, I think so. Uh, it will have an effect one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, hey, Kyle, uh, you know, I just I just saw an, an article, and you know him, Monsignor Esif, right? He's a friend of yours, correct? Yes, an yesterday was his birthday. No way. He, I'm sure you called him, knowing you. Oh, yeah. Tell, yeah, tell, yeah. The, tell the audience who Monsignor SF is. Mm-hmm. Who is this? Tell the audience who he is. So Monsignor SF uh, this year celebrated his 70th year of ordination. And so he's, he was ordained a priest in 1953. And um, among other things, he was a spiritual director to Mother Teresa. He um, is the exorcist emeritus of the United States, essentially. Um, He has a resume that reads like the Forrest Gump of the Catholic Church. He was was everywhere that there was a monumental thing that happened. Um, He, uh, just a remarkable, holy individual. His grand uncle is St. Charbel. And so his uh, wow. his grand great grandfather's uh, brother was Saint Charbel, and so there's uh, just an unbelievable um, heritage in, within the church, and, and a wonderful, wonderful man um, who's given his life. To- Kyle, are you there? I think I lost you. Is Kyle there? We'll get him right back. You're listening to Wednesday War College. I want to ask him some more questions about uh, Monsignor Esif. Monsignor Esif, uh, we'll get Kyle back right now. This Friday, we're inviting you to join us. And, and Kyle, let me know when you get back on. We're inviting you to join us this Friday over at Dodger Stadium, Lot 13. 
you know, if you can get there between 2 and 3, that would be great. We're going to start at 3 o'clock. The program will start right at 3 o'clock. We will finish at 7 o'clock. It's going to be four hours of a, of a peaceful prayer rally. You're going to hear some talks from some inspirational speakers. And we're there to stand up and witness in public, to take space in the public square, to stand in the breach because of the sacrileges that they're committing against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, is Kyle, Richard, let, let me know when Kyle's back. Okay. And so as Catholics, bring your rosaries. Make sure that you're in a state of grace. Make sure that you're, you bring your rosary, you wear your sacramentals, having Jesus in your heart. Make sure you've gone to confession sometime this week or last week. And make sure that you, uh, you're ready to stand there with us. And we're standing, this is not a political rally. It has nothing to do with politics. This is entirely a Catholic Christian rally. We are witnessing in the public square out of love for Jesus, plain and simple. There's no other reason we're there. And we're offended by what the Dodgers are allowing to happen. And as Catholics, we, we definitely need to do prayers of reparation. We have to repair the damage, as they say. We have to soothe uh, the sacred heart of Jesus for the offenses which he is witnessing from his creation. Because all those people out there, even the ones that are the enemies of God, they were created by God. And they were created to know God, love God, and serve God in this lifetime and to spend all eternity with them, with him in the next. And so... Kyle, I just uh, I want to get into where we left off the last time. It's been a while, but uh, by popular demand, on page fifty, you had sort of last time giving us a little explanation about. It actually starts on page forty-nine. They're the prayers and devotions to the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they continue for a few pages. So we'll pick, you, you. You were talking about page forty-nine, and here's some of the things that you said just to jog your memory. You said that uh, these prayers are meant to move the interior to conform our will to God's will. These precious blood prayers invokes sacrificial theology. These prayers conform us interiorly. And as we project these prayers into the cosmos through our mind and our thoughts, we are, we are willing it to the cosmos. Uh, what else can you tell us about these prayers that go from page 49, 50... 51, 52, uh, yeah, uh, all the way to page 54. These are prayers to the precious blood of Jesus. What else can you add to the exegesis and the usage of these prayers? Well, Jesse, I think to, to go um, deeper into what you just said, um, everybody, even the Protestants, evangelicals, others, you hear people plead the precious blood. They, they talk about invoking the precious blood. Even the old hymn, there's power, power, wonder-working power. There's power in the blood of the Lamb. Um, all of this is in, invoking and calling forward a, an understanding of sacrificial theology or imagery of sacrificial theology, and we've lost the understanding of sacrificial theology. 
we've we've lost the um, reverence for um, for blood. For blood as a life force. For blood as um, a a physical embodiment, if you will, uh, of the animating force that is life. And there is no life without blood um, or, or some form of that with regard to the higher orders. And even in a plant, um, everything has a circulatory system whereby nutrients, the earth, is made life. And so I think that that's one of the things, even when you look at a tree and the movement of sap, you look at these various things, um, there is there is some methodology by which a lower order is raised to a higher order. Um, nutrients out of the ground are incorporated into um, a plant. The plant's incorporated into an animal. The animal's incorporated into us. And so this is one of the Kyle, things that, that thought, is interesting. Kyle, hold that thought, my friend. Hold that thought. Heartbreak, we'll be right back. Okay. Kyle Clemens talking about the theology of the precious blood of Jesus. Stick around, we'll be right back. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. We're talking about the theology of precious blood prayers on Father Ripperger's book. It's about five pages. Kyle, you know, even the Protestants understand the power of the blood. You've probably heard, I mean, who hasn't heard, rest in peace, the Billy Graham Crusades. Uh, he passed away a few years ago. One of the favorite songs that the Protestant choir used to pray there is called Just As I Am. And that whole song is about blood. Verse 1, just as I am without one plea that thy blood was shed for me and that thy, and that thou bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. So, uh, and we also know that in the book of Revelation, there's 28 chapters in the book of Revelation. Well, guess what? The, the word Lamb of God, excuse me, there's 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. The phrase Lamb of God is mentioned 28 times in the book of Revelation. So that's, that's kind of the running theme of the book of Revelation. And so... Uh, now I understand why Father Ripperger is top-heavy with these type of prayers in his deliverance prayers to the, the lady. Kyle, can you continue your thoughts? You bet, Jess. Uh, and I, uh, it's always interesting. Whenever you hear a number, think of the numerical significance. And so how would the Jew see 2 and 8? Uh, 2 and 8 is 10. 10 is the law. Um, and so it, it, the linkage of the Holy Ghost and the law is so important. And what is the law? The law is how we avail ourselves, how we dispose ourselves to be beneficiaries of sacrificial theology. And so um, this whole understanding and the, the centrality of the blood of the sacrificial victim, it goes all the way back to the blood being collected um, and spread and, and with the hyssop uh, spread upon the people so that they wore the mark. But let's go back just a little bit. Um, when you look at uh, the scapegoat, uh, the sins being laid upon him, you look at the blood of the victim. Very simply, sacrificial theology is something dies so that you may live. And it is. Uh, it goes back to the that Im image of the lamb. The lamb dies. The lamb sheds its blood so that you may live. 
And in his sacrificial theology, there were three basic types of sacrifice in the Old Testament. There was um, the sin offering, there was thanksgiving offering, and then there was um, adoration or worship, such as the showbread, uh, those kind of things. Well, what Christ does is in the sacrifice on Calvary, all three of these separate types and genres of sacrifice are brought into one. They're brought into one. There's a melding of both the sin offering and thanksgiving being brought together uh, with regard to uh, the Passover. And so if you remember some of the theology of the Passover um, is that the, um, the, the lamb is brought into the home. Then he's slaughtered in the home um, and the blood is spread on the door. And then the lamb is on the table. Um, and is eaten. If you look through the door of a dwelling, the night that the uh, supper time Passover, if you look through the door from the outside um, at the time, uh, at that night, the angel of death visited Egypt, land of Goshen. If you look at that, you're looking at us with the, our lips purpled by his yep. precious blood mm. and he lays upon the mensa the tongue um and and that's that imagery we need to have that as catholics at the ready um every every flow of blood is either life-giving or life-taking and that's that's one of the reasons that the menses of a woman is called a curse because that's dead blood at the time it exits her body it's dead blood it's not life-giving blood and so um, it, it's not, and, and the reason that she was, this was deemed as unclean is because it was dead blood. It was not life-giving blood. And all blood has, it, it is either, the, it, it, it's either in the giving of life or it's, it's in, the, in the taking of life. And so we, we have to look at, look at it that way. I, uh, I'm always caught up in, in sacrificial theology in the idea that all of us were born for sacrifice. Christ was born for sacrifice. It is for that that we came into this world. And it is so that when we make this path through this world, our life has a, has a significance. Modernly, sacrifice is the giving up of something that is dear to us. Well, this, this can't be, this can't be further removed from sacrificial theology. It, it's, it's so much more than giving what is dear to us. Um, it is giving out of love. It is, um, and it's not, sacrifice is not removing the blemish. Sacrifice is, is giving our best version of ourselves. That's, uh, and, and virtue contributes to the removal of the blemish. But all of sacrificial theology is so very, very um, full. And modernly, you see in the modern, his, uh, modern uh, relativist bent on the church that sacrifice has, has been moved aside. And so there's an aversion to suffering. There's an aversion. Mm -hmm. It is through suffering that we perfect our sacrifice. It's through suffering that we remove the blemishes so that we may offer perfect sacrifice. That's not being taught anymore. It's not being um, it's not being lived for the most part anymore. And the demon 
in in true sacrificial theology, we are oriented toward God. We are ad orientum. We are focused toward God. And what the demon wants us to do modernly is to turn ad hominem, ad populum, and focus on ourselves, to lose the, the focus on on creator and focus on creature. And in that moment, in that movement, worrying about how is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Um, this is not fair. In those very statements and in that very moment that we turn away from the sacrifice on the altar and that we're not willing to join ourselves to it, then we become psychologically compatible with the demon. That makes sense because uh, once again, St. Augustine says whatever happened to the head of the church, Christ is going to happen to his body. And so we're going to we're going we're going to go through our own passion. We're going to suffer. We're going to die and we will rise again. That's also in paragraph 675 of the catechism is that we have to go through the Paschal mystery, every single one of us in the body of Christ. Well, something else also that jumps out at me, Kyle, when you talked about sacrificial theology, there's one verse that really unlocks us in the Old Testament. It's in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 13. It says, since the life of every living body is its blood, I have told the Israelites, you shall not partake of the blood of any meat. Since the life of every living body is its blood. Anyone who partakes of it shall be cut off. So as, as I read that, you can see that the Israelites in the Old Testament, they saw that the blood was the principle of human life. For them, it was sacred. And so to eat the blood would mean that you not take on the life of what you ate and, and, and this life lived in you. And so, of course, with this understanding, what faithful Jew is, 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 is going to want to take on the life of an animal? But for us as Catholic Christians, there is somebody's life that we do want to take on and we do want to unite ourselves to and we do want to join us. And that's the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. Precisely, Jesse. Well said. And you're exactly right. This is part of the dietary um, laws, the kosher laws. But really and truly in, in all animals that are killed for consumption, the cause of death is loss is blood loss now they're stunned um so that it is done in a more um in a more compassionate way but properly done the cause of death for beef lamb pork all the things that we eat is loss of blood they're stunned and then their blood uh their circulatory system is opened either through sticking or through cutting of the throat and they bleed out and this vacates the heart pumps until all the blood is gone from the body and it vacates it. This is exactly what happened to Christ on the cross. This is precisely what happened is his cause of death was was the bleeding out um, and the loss of, of blood. That that is is one of the, the keys to sacrifice. And then in um, in Thanksgiving, the prescription was that the the victim would be eaten. And so um, the flesh of the victim would be eaten. And this gives thanks to God for the victim um, and thanks to God for the sustenance that is that is uh, provided. And so this is part of the Eucharist and, and the drinking of the blood is exactly right to assume his attributes. Um, and so the drinking of the blood um, to assume his attributes is interesting because this was one of the prescriptions of animals that were called unclean. Uh, if you'll notice, uh, there's a whole class of the animals that are, that are called unclean 
because they are contradictory and or they have attributes that you would not want. Um, uh, so that was uh, docility is an attribute that you would want. But for instance, shellfish um, are a contradiction because they walk where that things should swim. Uh, the pig is a contradiction. He has a cloven foot, but he has only one stomach and he will eat meat. And so none of the clean animals um, were to be fed meat of another animal. And so all of this has underpinnings on sacrificial theology, what's clean to eat, how it must be uh, harvested, how it must be prepared. Um, all of these things have very, very clear sacrificial theology underpinnings. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting when you delve into it. That the sacrificial theology, when I say that, the Aztecs 500 years ago, the, uh, the Aztec pagan gods, which were demons, Psalm 95, uh, the, you know, Tonantu uh, and Cosaquetle and Tonantzin, uh, these pagan gods in the Aztec culture 500 years ago, there were pyramids where they can serve up the people. They, they would eat the people. That was the idea that they would eat the people's hearts. And, and so, again, even pagans understand that to get right with a de the deity, there has to be sacrifice. You're listening to Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. We're talking about sacrificial theology. Stick around. We will be right back. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle is the, uh, he, he's the 10th degree black belt. When it, I'm like a first degree black belt. Uh, but Kyle's like a 10th degree grad belt when it comes to Catholic spiritual warfare. Uh, the man has worked with some of the greatest exorcists in the Catholic Church. Uh, Kyle, you worked with Monsignor Essa for a while, didn't you? He's the oldest exorcist in the United States. Is that correct? Did you work with him for a while? Is Kyle there? Kyle. Okay. Let me, uh, we're, we're, this is a Wednesday war college. Jess Romero, Kyle Clement. Kyle is a black belt. He's like a 10th degree black belt when it comes to Catholic spiritual warfare, him and Dan Schneider. Uh, uh, when it comes to lay people, there's nobody better than these two gentlemen. Uh, Kyle, uh, tell me a little bit. Uh, you work with Monsignor Essif. Is, is he the oldest exorcist in the United States? He's certainly the oldest exorcist that I'm aware of um, in the United States, um, well into his 90. Um, and, and he's the oldest one that I'm aware of. He still uh, works some, uh, not very much, but still does does some. Um, just a, an amazing, amazing man. Kyle, we're talking about the sacrificial theology here in Father Ripperger's book, Prayers to the Blessed Trinity, but then it goes into Prayers and Devotions of the Precious Blood of Jesus from page 49 to about, yeah, to about 54, and it's all prayers on the blood of Jesus. Um, what's interesting is that, again, our Protestant brothers, 
separated brothers, they sing about the blood of Jesus in a lot of their songs, but they don't receive the blood of Jesus like we're called to in John chapter 6, 53 to 58. But I think Protestants in, in general, I think they understand the importance of the sacrifice of, of of our Lord in some way, shape, or form, because a lot of their songs are peppered with it, and they even have something called an altar call. They don't they don't have an altar, but they started something called an altar call back in 1830 by Charles Finney, and so I think the Protestant soul when they left the Catholic Church they realized, wow, we've left the altar. There's something an altar is central to Christianity. Because the Bible does say in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 10, talk about sacrificial theology. Hebrews 13, 10, it says, We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. So the New Testament is peppered with sacrificial theology. And I guess, I think even the Protestant soul, I think they long for this, the Eucharist. They sing about it. They they call, they say, they call their, you know, they call their services altar calls. But, uh, uh, they're not they're not receiving the bread of life, and that's why we as Catholics need to know our faith to the point where we can intelligently uh, bring them back into the fullness of truth. Kyle Commons? Well, you're precisely right, Jesse, and, and our Lord leaves no room here. Um, in the sixth chapter of John, he's very clear, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall not have life within you. And he's talking about everlasting life. He's very, very clear this particular scripture uh, is the cause of great division. This was even in that time, many, many left him. Incidentally, the scripture cited in the sixth chapter of John is the 66th verse. So the scripture is John 6, 6, 6. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, it, and so it is the cause of, it is the cause of division or it is the cause of um, adherence. It even makes Peter a little bit queasy because um christ says you know what are you going to do and he says where will we go you alone have the words of everlasting life um and the words uh, dan and i've talked about this dan's such a, a great resource an unbelievable uh, intellect uh, scripture study and, and the what's really there he helps you just really unlock it and so when he says you have the when when Peter says you have the words of, of everlasting life. It is you have the formula, you have the consecration, you have, you have the confection. You, that's what he's saying. There's so much more there than just saying you have the words, and, and it's a referral back to the Eucharist. Um, this institution of the Eucharist and what exactly the Eucharist is, the body and blood of our Lord, um, it, it, it is so profound, and it is the perfection of all sacrificial theology. All the ancient uh, Old Testament prescriptions for sacrifice are all brought together in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. You have every single element uh, perfected, and it was perfected at Calvary in the sacrifice of Christ. Um, the perfect victim, the perfect sacrifice, and then we seek that in, in order to seek perfection. Um and conformity to God's will. I, I think that it, when you go into the theology of these prayers, um, you, you look at um, all of these theologies, the opening statement, we do well to linger there until it has that effect um, of, of what it, it signifies. For instance, in this paragraph B, or let's, paragraph A, I'm on page 49, 
Mm-hmm. Be mindful, O be mindful, O Lord, of thy creature whom thou hast redeemed by thy precious blood. This for centuries was the salutation when the priest elevated the chalice with the with the blood of Christ. This was the response of Catholics for centuries and should still be our response. Be mindful, O Lord, of thy creature whom thou hast redeemed by thy precious blood. We should be saying that interiorly whenever we see that chalice raised. In the same way that we in, we intone the words of Thomas when he elevates uh, the body, my Lord and my God, is, is we are saying, that is my Lord and my God. And then when he elevates the chalice, be mindful, O Lord, of thy creature redeemed by thy precious blood. So then in, in paragraph B, this opening sentence, O Jesus, who by the reason of thy burning love for us has will to be crucified and to shed thy most precious blood for the redemption and salvation of our souls, look down upon us here gathered together in the remembrance of thy most sorrowful passion and death, fully trusting in thy mercy. Cleanse us from thy sin by thy grace, sanctify our toil, give unto us and unto all those who are dear to us our daily bread. And then it, it goes on. But it's just, we need to conform ourselves to what we're saying. Can we need to conform ourselves. Let me ask yep. you a question. These prayers, as, I'm re- as I've read them, you know, for a long time now, they seem to be prayers that work on your personal interiority. It, these are not prayers that you're praying for other people. These are for your personal interior life and your holiness. Am I correct? You're precisely right, Jesse. You are precisely right. And so when we say we are washed in the blood of the Lamb, we are cleansed, we are made white as snow, that is for the purpose of giving our now cleansed selves to God. These prayers of the precious blood and invoking the precious blood to purify us, to cleanse us, it is for the purpose of making now unblemished sacrifice to God. And so it's that interior movement from the all that is not of you. Um, it's a beautiful prayer uh, on our way up to communion. Um, Lord, take from me all that is not of you as you chase the money changers from the temple. By your Eucharistic presence within me, drive from me all that is not of you. And in this constant asking for purification and then taking our Lord in, this is how we are made pure. This is how we make perfect our sacrifice to the extent that we can. That's the, the primary methodology and agency of the blood of Christ in sacrificial theology. So that, that really covers the theology of the of, of five pages of prayer. Kyle, what is, what is the benefit of... Okay, so you covered the, the 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 precious blood prayers. Tell us a little bit about the divine praises. I could tell you, you know, early on, thirty years ago, I had a, when I was a young cop, I used to have a Tourette's syndrome problem, <laughs> and my mom told me, rest in peace, my Hispanic mom told me, "Mijo, you know, my son, anytime you say a bad word, immediately right after that, say the divine praises, and God will change your vocabulary." So when I was a young cop. Uh, I used to, you know, I used to drop bad words all the time. 
I worked in bad areas, the jail, East L.A., South L.A. It, uh, I had horrible encounters constantly. And I, and I started catching myself. I heard my mom's words, and I would start saying the divine praises right after. Within about six months to a year of doing that constantly, probably about a thousand times, uh, I really haven't had a Tourette syndrome problem in the last 30 years. What can you say about the divine praises? Oh, Jesse, you, you hit something close to my heart. So um, I was the champion cursor of Southwest Texas multiple years uncontested. <laughs> and uh, the divine praises are, are very definitely the cure for this. And, and it's not just the cure, it's reparation. Mm-hmm. My grandmother, used, my, Scott, my Scott grandmother used to tell me, um, one damn it cancels a thousand glory bees. Um, and so you would, the divine praises and in their entirety, blessed be God, blessed be his holy name and just go through it and it changes you. It makes you stop. And this is, we used to hear the colloquial thing. Is that the same mouth you kiss your mother with, you know, when a kid would curse, but there's a point there because the demon is looking for the mouth that blesses and curses more specifically. He's looking for the mouth that is purpled with his precious blood upon on Sunday, the tongue that held our bo- the body of, of, of our Lord. He's looking for that tongue to be used in gossip, slander, calumny. He's using that. He's looking for that tongue to issue a curse. There's where he has psychological compatibility, and that's where he's going to start the relationship. Kyle, um, people relationships. Go, That's pretty much a wrap, my friend. Where can people listen to some of your lectures throughout the week? Go to www.montecristo, M-O-N-T-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-O.net, N-E-T dot net. And uh, there's all kinds of recordings there, all kinds of things uh, that are available. We're starting a book study, The Sanctifier, on the third day of of July. You can sign up for that one and and access those other book studies. We've got Reclamation Theology. Every morning is a podcast on that subscription. But go to that website and, and take advantage of those free things. Thanks a lot, my friend. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Wednesday War College. Jess Romero, Carla Clement up next. Gary Machuda, Hands on Apologetics. As for us, we are end of watch, EOW. We'll see you next time, same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. Viva Cristo Rey.